Welcome to Working Smarter presented by Calabrio, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, product evangelist for Calabrio, and my guest today is Shep Hyken. Shep almost needs no introduction as he's been doing this for quite some time, but just uh, to make sure for credibility purposes, Shep is a customer service and experience expert, and he's also the CAO, the Chief Amazement Officer of Shepherd Productions, where he engages audiences on any and all things customer experience. We're super excited to have Shep here today to talk about the state of the context center report. Just a little bit of background. Every year, Calabrio does a survey with uh, customers and managers and consumers across the industry to try and figure out where we are today in this uh, wonderful world of contact centers that we do. Uh, and this year is no different. And this year we came up with quite a few uh, really key insights that, that we want to talk about. So without really spending too much more time, Shep, thanks for joining us. Really glad you're here. And I'm just really interested. Who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's let's get into this uh, report that we have to discuss. Well, well, I think you've already told them a little bit about myself, Dave. <laughs> so, uh, but seriously, if you've been uh, involved with Calabria over the last few years, I was honored to be the keynote speaker, and actually did several sessions and hosted at I believe it was C three back in around two thousand and nineteen. And yes, San Antonio. Uh, yes, and I've done a number of little projects with you, and and we've you know, corresponded and hung out a little bit uh, since then. So yeah, that's a little bit about me, very little, uh, but I am a customer service experience expert, been doing it for darn close to 40 years now. That's hard to believe. I, I was around before the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the day and I walked uphill both ways to school and home. I, I something like that. I think you and I are in that same boat. I remember my first experience downloading an internet browser and saying, oh my, I'm going to have fun with this. Yeah. Remember your first email address? Mine was uh, a large number at CompuServe.com. <laughs> yes. Mine was Juno. Do you remember Juno? I remember Juno. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my, my first email address was Juno, where you had to tell it to download the internet. It would go, and then it would connect, download your email, and then disconnect you. My favorite, my favorite noise was... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what what I remember about it is that you, it would download your email, disconnect you. So if you were waiting on an important email, you just had to keep connecting over and over again to oh try my. it. I remember. It hasn't really come a long way. And and, we have. and it's amazing because I know we're probably going to talk a little bit about, you know, traditional phone versus digital channels. And I mean, it's really amazing what's changed. Actually, I personally feel nothing has changed when it comes to customer support and customer service in that customer has a question or a problem or even a complaint they want resolved. And then something happens. And at the end, they are hopefully happy. They've gotten their answer. Everything's fine. Now, what's in the middle has changed, but the, the beginning and the end are exactly the same. So we know what we want the outcome to be. And that's exactly why I believe in the past hundred years and the next hundred years, nothing's really going to change other than how we go about it. 
Nope. I mean, you go back to whatever the very first customer service interaction was. It was still about creating, you know, it's still about creating a great experience and for the, for the vendor creating a, uh, a brand loyalty, the ability for, for them to say, boy, I'd like to come back here and do this again. And that's kind of what we, what we validated through a lot of this survey. A lot of this survey is kind of, kind of focuses on the concept of, uh, what collaborative is calling a brand guardian, right? The, the whether we're talking about the agent themselves, whether we're talking about the managers, uh, we're talking about the tools, right? The, what are the things that that kind of help create that concept? So let's. I'll give you the floor to start with right off the bat. What what's uh, let's talk about the report. What are what's one of the things that really jumped out at you as kind of the 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 current hot button in CX and what we can do to address it. One of the biggest things that popped out at me, and uh, I, I actually created a video for Calabrio around this as we looked at all the different findings, I was surprised at the disconnect between customers and brands as in the leadership and management of the brand. For example, uh, 78% of contact center managers think that their people provide emotional empathy to their customers, yet only 58% of customers agree. And there's discrepancies like that that make me realize that we've got to make sure that our vision of what we want, our perception of what we want our customers to be thinking about us or actually their perception of what we want them to think about, they need to start to match up. So uh, there's some pretty interesting stats and findings behind that specifically. Yeah, I mean, one of the key ones that that really jumps out at me is, uh, you know, for example, if we in the in the the state of the contact center report, everything is kind of laid out by key insights, right? And uh, key insight number four in the report is that contact centers think they're doing a pretty good job, but consumers don't, right? Exactly what you just said. So, for example, um, uh, look at the response times on that. Look at that. That's right. amazing to me. It, it really is, right? So quick response times, uh, according to the report, 45% of consumers think that uh, these contact centers are providing quick response times, which, okay, I, that's probably what I would expect. But then when you ask the contact center manager, they think that 79% of the time they're, they're, they're meeting those uh, expectations. That's a huge gap, right? That, that's uh, you know less than half of consumers, but more than three quarters of contact center managers think they're doing a good job. So where do, where do you think this disconnect is coming from? I think that they don't, I think they think they're better than they actually are. And what's amazing to me is when you find a company whose um, goal is to create an experience and then the customer reflects back their perception of the experience when they're, they're in line and, and equal to each other. That doesn't happen as often as I think we want it to happen. So we as companies need to know. Uh, here's I wrote an article about this just recently. I called it the Echo, and th so you've got a, a you want customers to say something about you. By the way, this is a great exercise that you can do with your team: is sit down and say, "What do we want our customers to be saying about us?" And then we should go find out if they're actually saying it about us, because if they're not, we need to start putting into place practices, systems, and processes that will allow us to get the customer to perceive what we're doing in alignment with what we want the customer to perceive. Make sense? Absolutely. And I think it plays into kind of the other key insight from the survey here. The We asked the question, um, you know, how's, are you 
is the consumer expectation that you are delivering multiple channels for communication, right? And this is a big delta, big difference, 45% spread. 45% spread between what the consumer thinks and what the contact center makes. So let me just put it into uh, real world terms. Um, the contact centers think they're doing a great job delivering multiple multiple channels, but the consumer does not. The consumer yep. is saying, you are not doing this uh, as well as we hoped. So, okay, let's let's break it down a little bit. Multiple channels for communication. What, what are the expectations that the customer is really looking at here? Sure, sure. And by the way, let's define what those channels are. And I'll give you some examples. They're very obvious. Phone is a channel. Um, email is a channel texting, whether it be a, a, an a, a chat bot or human to human text, that's a channel. And it's not so much that we might not be providing the channels for customer support. It's how well we're delivering in the channel. So I talk in my speeches, I talk about creating consistency. And most of the time it's about creating, you know, that experience where people come to work every day, putting forth their best effort, a consistent best effort. And then I started to say, well, it's much more than that. The customer wants a consistent experience. Okay. And that means we want them to use the word always in front of whatever it is they want. So they always get back to me quickly would be a great one. Okay. Getting back to me quickly is just a common expectation. And this is what makes, by the way, amazing companies amazing is when you can put the word always in front of an expectation. And mm -hmm. that means you're always meeting that customers. And that's why they see you're amazing, not because you go over the top and above and beyond. So when it comes to delivering on multiple channels, we may be fantastic at keeping our hold times down to under two minutes. Okay. But if we're lousy at responding to email and it's taking us two and three days to get back to somebody, that is what I call channel inconsistency. And that inconsistency might be what's causing this number to be such a big spread, which by the way, uh, the number is 85% of contact center managers think they provide good service on multiple channels with communication. However, only 40%, the 45% gap of customers believe that to be true. So I don't so much think it's that you didn't provide me the channel, although maybe it didn't, but whatever the channel is, it's not working for me. So yeah. I'm going to give you a bad grade on that. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's funny because if you probably work with most contact centers, they say, Oh, we do. We, we, you can email us, you can call us, you can chat us. Right. So I, I honestly believe that the product, a lot of the discrepancy here is not necessarily that the channels aren't available. It's the word deliver. That really right. kind of matters here. It's, you know, uh, how many times, Shep, have you emailed an organization and you just know it's going to be a week and a half before they get back to you? Well, I just wonder why I'm, why I'm even doing business with a company that's going to wait a week and a half to get back to me. <laughs> exactly. And, and then you're, then how happy are you when you do get an email response back in eight hours, let's say like the, the expectation is just so out of whack for email, for example. Yeah. And, and we've done some studies, uh, in our annual research that talks about how willing customers are to wait, you know, a response times for different channels, for example, you know, uh, how long, by the way, Dave, how long would you be willing to wait for uh, on hold to talk to somebody? What do you think's reasonable? 
I, I mean, personally, knowing what I know about a contact center, I don't mind a 10 minute wait. I mean, that's it's it's not so bad now that we have smartphones you can put on speaker and just kind of set down and do other work. Right. Back in the right. day where you had to hold the phone up to your ear, two minutes felt like an eternity. But, you know, I, I don't mind a 10 minute wait uh, as long as again, this is I don't know if this is playing right into your hands or not. But as long as my issue gets taken care of, I don't mind waiting, you know, eight to 10 minutes. We are very patient, young man. <laughs> I'm an impatient young man. Approximately 32% become frustrated after waiting for 10 minutes, which means two thirds of customers are willing to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to irritate a third of my customers. And by the way, what's a good email response time for you? Well, in my mind, a good email response would be a couple of hours. Uh, yeah. yeah. But but knowing what I know about the industry, I'm actually pleasantly surprised with maybe a 24-hour turnaround. Right. Well, uh, interestingly, about uh, 59% of customers are willing to wait up to two hours before they become frustrated. Well... And this leads right into kind of, to me, what is the big hammer statistic on this particular insight? The gap between consumer perception and, uh, and provider perception of the availability of human agents. You know, according to the survey, 37% of, of customers think that it is, it is a good delivery and 80% yeah, of those contact center managers. Yeah. 80% <laughs> of those contact center managers think that, that they are doing it well enough. And I, you know, we know we've gone through some staffing challenges in the last few years, volume challenges, you know, channel challenges, like every challenge that could hit a contact center has surfaced in the last two to three years. But it's still, I, I can't fathom a scenario where there's such a huge gap between, uh, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, like, what do you think this gap comes from? Why do these contact center managers think that they're, they're doing so much better than the consumers think? So I don't know why they think this, because really, to me, it's easy to figure out. You should take a look at your your verbatims, which are where your comments are coming from customers. You should take a look at the data from the uh, feedback that you're getting. If you're using quantitative and qualitative, there's no excuse to not know this. The other thing I'm frustrated when I hear companies don't do this is they don't go out and mystery shop their own company. They don't play undercover boss and call their company, email their own company, act like a customer and find out just what that experience really is. And, and they, it's important that, that they remain, remain anonymous through this process because otherwise it doesn't work. Uh, by the way, I, I think it's also important that leadership C-level people come down and spend time in the contact support centers so that they can hear and see what customers are saying specifically about them. Uh, in my most recent book uh, titled, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again, uh, I actually have a chapter in there where I talk about this gentleman named Bill who worked for Microsoft and he got on the telephone and he was talking to a customer and the customer calls and says to the manager that that man, Bill, was just so incredible. And it was Bill Gates coming down and spending time on the floor talking to customers. I mean, why aren't more people doing that? 
Yeah, I, I we we have this discussion quite a bit. First of all, back to your point, I think the mystery shopper is a vastly underutilized tool. Um, someone who can give true objective feedback about the process with you know unclouded. Um, e- you know, I remember one of my very first call center jobs. Um, the QM process was actually two of the managers calling in and pretending to be a customer and seeing how we would react to those scenarios that, that came in. And of course, that's not going to work every time. I, I, I remember looking back and thinking, I should have known it was them. Why didn't I know it was them? I'm too trusting of yeah. an individual. <laughs> didn't recognize yeah. the voice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I work with a lot of different companies and, and one of the companies that has always impressed me is American Express. And I'm sure, by the way, Discover, MasterCard, Visa, great companies as well. And I do work with with Discover and MasterCard as well. Um, but Jim Bush, these, at the time, he was a senior VP worldwide of customer support. We talked quite a bit about this. What they strive to do is to create an experience that gets them a high NPS score, the net promoter score. And they make it part of the compensation of these frontliners, as well as the compensation of a manager. And and as it goes upstream, even Jim Bush said part of his compensation is based on high NPS scores. So think about that. Everybody's striving to make the customer happy. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the conversation between me and Shep about the state of the Contact Center 2022 report from Calabrio. We had such a good time recording it and we went so long that we actually decided to split it into two episodes. So this is going to end this week's episode, but stick around for next week's episode where we finish out the conversation with Shep Hyken on the state of the Contact Center 2022 report. We'll talk to you then. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon.